0: Bibles with you tonight and you want to turn there, I'm going to be taking some scripture out of the book of Leviticus in chapter 13 and also I want you to be finding Matthew chapter 8. Now, before you get too upset about me being in the Book of Leviticus, you know you can go around and ask people their favorite Bible verse, and very infrequently will you ever hear somebody say that well, their favorite Bible verse comes from the Book of Leviticus. It reads like a legal document, yeah. uh, and, and you know you don't see a lot of uh, verses out of the Book of Leviticus. <laughs> Cross stitched on pillows or on, uh, you know, tattooed on somebody's arm or on their bumper sticker or anything like that. But this was the laying out of the law. Yeah. And in this, you know, that uh, in chapter 13, and I'm not going to read all of it uh, for, for fear of you all wanting to tar and feather me. Uh, uh, but chapter 13, 14, and 15 all largely deal with one singular subject. Three. Entire chapters in the book of Leviticus dealing with one subject. And it's about leprosy and uncleanness of the flesh. And I'm going to read the first few verses here. And really, the reason I want to read this is because this helps us to understand Matthew 8 just a little bit better. And Matthew 8, the same thing is contained in Mark 1, and I believe it's uh, Luke 10, if my memory serves me right. Uh, But let's start reading at Leviticus in chapter 13, and we'll read uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising a scab, a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. Verse 3, And the priest shall look on the plague and the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white and the plague in the sight, be deeper than the skin of his flesh. It is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. Now, I'll notice that you weren't shouting, you weren't running the aisles when I was reading this scripture. This is not one of those that makes you want to get out of your seat and run around or anything like that. But really what this should help you understand is that leprosy was no joke to them. Okay, And you'll notice that this pronouncement of uncleanness, if we were to take the time to continue on and read all this, and I sat down one day when I was in a waiting room somewhere and they had a Bible sitting there and rather than get my phone out looking on Facebook, I picked that Bible up and I just kind of opened it up and it opened to here. And so I started reading. And I read through those chapters and thought, my goodness, they're just going on and on and on and on and on about leprosy and all of the things that needs to be done. If you just so much as touch somebody with leprosy that you had to be quarantined and watched for days. Uh, That word right there is real common nowadays, uh, uh, being quarantined and set aside, unclean and all those. And under this law, in this same book, it says that if you have leprosy, if you're declared unclean, if anybody even come with their hand job, to shake your head you ho oh, unclean unclean uh, you were under punishment of law and all that this law did uh, was put a person in a position to where they really couldn't get any help they were pushed out of society they were separated they were unclean uh, and the thing is uh, years ago uh, when i was helping do a research project at marshall university uh, we had to do an experiment where that we had to clean something And you know, I thought before that I met this professor that I knew what clean was. And he was explaining it, and one of the things, I can't remember what it was, he said, you wear gloves when you get this on you. He said it'll oxidize the very cells of your body. And oxidizing cells just means it explodes them. Okay, you don't want that. Alright, you don't want that getting to the inside. But he said this, and this statement really just set me off. I, I imagine I got that far off look in my eye. He said, this is the soap you would use to clean your soap. And I said, well, I thought soap was clean. And he said, well, not as clean as this. And that kind of set me off on this. And then the other night I was thinking about when we clean something up. Whenever it is that we undertake to clean something, did you know that in the process of cleaning, we make something else dirty? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Think about it. When you mop your floor, you might have that mop nice and clean and your floor is dirty and all you did was move the dirt from the floor to the mop to the mop water. And then what you do with the mop water, you dump it down the drain, you toss it outside or something like that, but that uncleanness still exists. it hasn't been dealt with completely Uh, but you see our Lord came down into this world uh, in amidst the uncleanness uh, that's in this world Uh, and not only uh, did he deal with it uh, but the dirt ceased to exist Uh, the uncleanness was stopped Uh, you see when Jesus looked around at him he said John is baptizing you with water uh, 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 but I'm going to baptize you with fire uh, uh, and fire will clean it will cleanse Uh, that's what Jesus came into this world to do Uh, uh, so look at it under the context of leprosy and think of leprosy as anything in your life that might separate you from the love of God that gets in your way and then the remedy is what we're going to read about here in Matthew chapter 8 and it's in the first three verses Now to give you a little context for these three verses, right after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had just got done up on the mountainside uh, 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 elevating the law, talking about the Beatitudes and and really just laying it out for them. And He tells them, if you hear these things uh, and you do them, I'll liken you to somebody that dug deep and built their house upon the rock. Uh, He said, if you hear them and don't do them, I'll liken you to somebody who didn't dig deep uh, and built on sand and the wind and the rains came uh, and the one founded on the rock stood while the one not founded on the rock fell and there's a big crowd now keep that crowd in mind when this happens lepers weren't found in crowds if you wanted to clear a path through somewhere just let a leper walk through everybody get out of the way Because they couldn't even so much as touch Him without being unclean themselves. Uh, They had no way of dealing with it uh, other than maintaining distance. Uh, And so Jesus comes down off of this mountain. Uh, There's a big multitude. Uh, In this multitude there are publicans and sinners. Uh, There are Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious elite, the disciples, the true believers, the pretenders, the hypocrites. They were all there. They were all following Him. And notice then it says in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 8, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Verse 2, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. He comes up. Now imagine the crowd, what they did. Uh, uh, he didn't have like that woman with the issue of blood. Uh, everybody got out of his way. Uh, nobody wanted to get out of her way. They both end up the same way. Uh, they both end up made whole. Uh, but this man begins to come through. Uh, and he's worshiping the Lord. Uh, praise be unto the Most High God. Uh, glory to God in the highest. Hosanna. Uh, uh, Jesus, thou Son of David. Uh, he comes up to him. And everybody Moves back, But Jesus stands His ground. Jesus stands His ground against uncleanness. Uh, I don't care how unclean. Uh, I don't care your sin. Uh, though it be a scarlet. Uh, he can wash it and make it whiter than snow. Uh, a lot of times when we sin we think well that's it. Uh, no it's not. Uh, that's a lie out of hell. Uh, don't you ever believe that your sin uh, can't be dealt with by the Most High God. And so this leper comes up. Everybody moves out of his way. He gets right up to Jesus. And I imagine there's a safe perimeter right around him. You talk about social distancing. Oh, they weren't being very sociable, but they were definitely distancing. And so we find now the scene is there's a crowd there, but there's this bubble around Jesus and this unclean man, this leper. Now as I see this scene unfold... And like I said, before I ever read uh, really and and really just the Lord dealt with me on Leviticus 13 through 15, I didn't understand the significance of these three verses. I missed it every time. I wasn't old enough or wise enough or something to understand the significance of it. But you think about the crowd that's there. And I imagine the Pharisees are sitting there saying, oh please, oh please. Let him touch that leper. But not that he might be made clean, but that Jesus would be made unclean. They knew that they'd have him shut down at least for seven days. uh, Because it says if you touch a leper, you have to be examined to the priest uh, for seven days. uh, And either declared clean or unclean. And they might have thought, this uh, will shut him down. Uh, uh, This uh, will put a stop to his shenanigans. And maybe others were saying, maybe Peter was there, Lord, Jesus. Jesus. Lord. He's a leper. Don't touch him. Yep. Get back over here with us. They didn't even want to get a club and run him off or anything. They were, they were that worried about uncleanness. And you know, if we really approached uh, in our lives uh, uh, staying away from unclean things uh, like this did, uh, we would live uh, a more God-fearing life than what we do. Uh, and when I say that, I point at me first. Uh, uh, you can judge for yourself. Uh, but I tell you this, uh, there they are. He's in the midst of the crowd with the Savior. And he's calling out to him. Verse 2 says and behold there came a leper and worshipped him saying Lord if thou wilt thou canst make me clean. He come up believing what he could do. No different than that woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember what she said? "Oh, If I can just get a hold of the hem of his garment. I know that I can be made whole. This leper he said I know if Jesus is willing to do it that I can be cleansed of this. I can get a job. I can support my family. I I can take up normal responsibilities just like anybody else. He was separated. Unclean. With no hope. And he comes to Jesus and he said, I know. And everybody heard. Everybody heard what he said. Like I said, the Pharisees they were there. (laughs) We got him now. And look what it says in verse 3. It says, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. You imagine the, the gasp that went up in the crowd. Did he touch it? He touched him. The Pharisees, yes! We've got him. He touched him. He's unclean. He's done. It's over. This Jesus guy was a nice little flash in the pan, but he ain't going to last. That's what they thought. They thought they had him. They felt the same way when they put him in a tomb, and we see how that turned out for Amen. them. But it says now, Jesus looked at him and said, I'm willing. Now he could have just said, but he didn't. Right. I mean, we see just a few verses down that he just speaks the words to a centurion ser- oh, yeah. about a centurion servant and he gets healed. Yes. But he can do that. He could, he could have held out and said, Just touch the hem on my garment. Yeah. But he didn't do that. Right. He reached out, mm-hmm. physically touched him. Yeah, you mean. And he right. said, I am willing. I will be thou clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed what he did when he reached out and touched him is he said I, you don't need that uncleanness anymore let me have that I've taken your uncleanness upon myself and then I'll do away with it rather than the dirt just going somewhere else rather than uncleanness remaining it was dealt with henceforth and forever more. Never again to be an issue. Because you imagine now what the Pharisees, I imagine they had to huddle up after this. What are we going to do now? Because he touched the guy, but he cleansed him. Ain't nobody ever done anything like that. What? How do we handle that? And then while they're huddled up worried about that, Jesus is checking the box of the law for them because in the next Scripture He says, in verse 4, Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He said, let everything be done. right in accordance with the law. And then when you're declared unclean by the priest, when you've been examined and found to be cleaned, Then, tell everybody. Because Jesus knew... And his fame would spread abroad and it wasn't quite yet time but what he had done was a physical demonstration of what he does for us spiritually that he takes your uncleanness upon himself uh, and he deals with it uh, to the point to where that it's blotted out uh, never to be remembered again uh, never uh, to come out before God again. Uh, a lot of times uh, uh, there's unsound doctrine that floats about in this world that says now if you're a Christian and you knowingly sin uh, you will go in the wrong direction Uh, you fall to temptation Uh, well then that's it and to me that's serving a a very belligerent and evil God if you really believe that but rather our God is the one that he'll look and you come in covered head to toe with mud and he'll say let's clean you up let's make it right you messed up I can't tell you how many times that I've got down and said, God, I've messed up again. God, I need you to cleanse me. And Satan, there saying, "Oh, you've gone too far this time. You might as well just quit being a preacher. You might as well just quit being a Christian, and just go out into the world." And that's what I have to say. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I stand on this word. That in First John one nine it says that if we sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Of all unrighteousness. You know what that means? He cleans us up. And He's able to clean us up. And there's no better cleansing than what He has. If you turned into the 119th Psalm, you would find that David wrote down and said, Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his path by taking heed unto God's Word. That's what we do. We listen to God's Word. The washing of the Word is what helps us in the difficult times. It's when we lose our temper. It's when we say something we shouldn't say. We look at something we shouldn't look at. We desire something that we shouldn't desire. And we deal with it right then. This man, when he came to Jesus now, he could have went to doctors. He could have tried to hide it and cover it up. But let me tell you something, no more of a mess does man ever make than when they try to cover their own sin. You don't believe me? Ask Adam and Eve. You don't believe me? Ask King David. Oh yeah. He tried to cover up adultery with yeah. murder. Yes. Yeah. You know, in our minds, one is worse than the other. But I, and I had a student a while back ask me. They came to me and said, "Mr. Williamson, I got a question for you, and it's a religious question." She said, "Are you allowed to answer it?" I love it when they ask me those kinds of questions. I'm like, "Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I will." And I said, but now, before you ask, if you're just wanting me to say something that makes you feel good about yourself, I won't do that. Told him, I said, now I'll tell you what the Word of God says. And she said, will a person die and go to hell for being a homosexual? And I said, yes. I said, it is a sin. And I said, but now understand this it's no more of a sin than telling a white lie. Mm -hmm. Now everybody looks around. (laughs) I'm not homosexual, but then they'll lie. They'll steal. They'll covet. They'll take the name of the Lord in vain. They'll not hold strongly. And the Bible says, if you're guilty of breaking one of the laws, you're guilty of them all. Uncleanness before God is uncleanness. All sin is bad. And it's only worthy of death. But we look around and we try to attach degrees to sin. We look around and say, well, that guy over there sin is way worse than mine. And God's saying, no, it isn't. All sin before me deserves death. And the only cure is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I told this young lady, I said, now look, there are people that have tendencies. I told her, I said, I have tendencies if somebody makes me mad, I want to sock them right in the snout. I said, but I don't. I, I, I try to keep my body under subjection. I try to do what I can to stay upright and righteous before the Lord, but we all have our struggles. Oh, yeah. You see, we run around and we want to condemn everybody else. That's exactly the spirit that the Pharisees came in. Every time that there was something good, the Pharisees wanted to come and douse the fire. Oh yeah. They wanted to say, Well, Jesus, you're unclean. You know what Jesus did? He went on. I believe that kept him off of his back for a little while. They followed at least at a little greater distance. Because they were like, I don't know if he's clean or unclean. We'll have to watch him for a while. But he went on in his ministry, and all the things that he done, you know, and all these miracles. And I love a good miracle, and miracles still happen today. Church, don't ever discount uh, uh, the miraculous power of God. Uh, uh, but know this: uh, that Jesus, he would always downplay miracles. And I remember when I first started reading that, and I thought, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just say, "Yeah, look at me"? Well, we have our answer. That would have been pride. Yeah. And guess what pride is? Yeah. It's a sin. Yes. A proud look and a haughty spirit yeah. goeth yeah. before a fall. The Lord hates pride. That's, right. That's why that whenever Satan told Jesus, yeah, if you're the Son of God, yeah. command that these stones be made of bread. I don't even believe that you are, but if you are, yeah. make these stones into bread. And Jesus could have done it, but He didn't. He answered with it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said there is something more important than bread. You are asking the wrong questions. What that he did when he did these miracles was he touched people so that they would glorify God. So he would get the praise. That if I was able to work these miracles. If God were to trust me with that it would be because that he brought me to a point to where that I would be able to say it ain't me. Right. It's Him. Because you look at Joseph in the Bible when it was that he was brought before Pharaoh. Remember that? He was brought out of a prison. And the thing that really stuck out to me the most was they took a whole day to clean Joseph up before they brought him to the Pharaoh. Surely he stinketh, I would say, would be something along the lines... They had to wash him and clean him up and cleanse him and they bring him before Pharaoh because they're like, I know a guy, met a guy, his name's Joseph. Uh, He's a Hebrew prisoner uh, and he can interpret dreams and this was after that he'd been forgotten about for three years. And then when they stand him before Pharaoh and the butler's there and he's got his tile done up. This is the guy's telling you about Pharaoh. He'll help us out. He'll tell you what it is And Joseph, the first words out of his mouth are, no man can do what you're asking. I imagine the butler got a little worried. Uh Whoa, now, wait a minute. But Joseph said, but God knows. He pointed to the Most High God. God should get glory from your life. God should be able to be radiated out from your life. uh, uh, That when people see you, yes, uh, if they look closely enough, uh, they put you under a big enough microscope, uh, they'll see uncleanness, uh, but He's still working on you. Uh, You're a work in progress. uh, And don't ever think uh, uh, that you've got to clean yourself up before you come to the Lord. That's not how it works. Years ago, I'll give you an example from my childhood years ago there was a fella that worked for my dad he uh run a business and we had a garage up around East Lynn. there they call it the old sanford and sons garage we haven't owned it for years but it's still locally known as that and this man that worked for my dad would later be my grandfather-in-law i was yet to meet uh, his granddaughter who i would fall in love with and consequently marry. but his son would come there and he was, he was this guy who was just really fun and he was all the time showing me really neat and cool things and uh, he would take a rattle can a spray paint can everybody I imagine is familiar with one of those you shake them and you hear that thing rattle around inside well he showed me and my brothers one day that you could let all the pressure out of that can crack it open and it was a marble and I thought well that's a toy that's, that's, you just throw the marble in that can I love marbles He'd get it out, wash all that paint off of it, and give it to one of us. Of course, me and my brothers would fight over it, and where I was the littlest, I usually didn't get one. I was determined to make it happen myself. And so I caught nobody around. Now, I knew better. I made sure nobody was around. I went into to the shop, and I found a paint can. And it felt mostly empty. And I got it, and I grabbed up. Uh, I would later. I didn't know what it was at the time. It's called a chipping hammer. It's what you use whenever you weld, and you knock the flux off of it. It's got a real sharp point on it. Now don't get ahead of me. Let me tell the story. <laughs> so I get to can, and I I tuck it under my shirt, and I get that chipping hammer. And of course, George Browning was his name. He sees me. What are you doing? And you know, he talks to me and everything. Oh, I'm yeah, doing good. And everything. And I'm in a hurry. And I go out beside of the garage, out of sight of him or anybody else, and I look over both shoulders and everything. I forgot one crucial step in the process. Now, as a science teacher, I understand pressure very well. As a six-year-old boy, not so much. And so I raise the hammer, and I swing with every bit of the force that my 35-pound body can muster. And it hits and dents the can. Nothing happens. And so then I rear back again, and I hit it again. Nothing happens. And I hit it several more times. And I mean, I'm hitting it in quick succession. Mouth open, tongue out. And finally, the can gives up and relents to the pressure from that hammer. And my reward is a face full of Smurf blue paint. (laughs) That I'd got what I wanted now. And I was up to no good. Okay, And I remember it hit me right in the face and all over my body. And I'm sure mom remembers it probably more vividly than I do. I come running to her looking like a smurf. <laughs> and the thing was, is I started trying to get it off of me. Tried to clean myself up. And I've thought about this situation for years afterward was one of the first things that I did because George came out there, my later grandfather-in-law. And I begged him, don't tell my daddy. Please. He said, I ain't going to tell your daddy. I said, you promise? I won't tell him, son. <laughs> well, dad comes in not long after that's happened and my older brother Jason's with him. And dad sees blue paint. From outside the garage to inside the garage, the chipping hammer, and it still has blue paint on it. I still have the thing right now. It's still got blue paint on it. And Dad asked him, George, what happened? Jason said he just kind of <laughs> might want to ask you, or am I? That's all he said. Well, Mom got me cleaned up. And I remember, man, I was under the gun there. I knew I needed to get cleaned up before Dad got back. I couldn't do it myself. Mom had to help me. We got that paint washed off while it was able to be washed off. And then Dad put me to the question when I come back out there. And I lied to him. I learned that day that a lot of times when a parent asks a question like that, they already know the truth. But in retrospect, I've thought a lot about that. And about trying to cover our own sins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how it is we make a mess. Yeah. You know, that paint washed down the drain, but it still exists somewhere in some form. There's a law in science called the law of conservation of matter. It means that if once matter is created, it can, it can be changed into something else, but it always exists. Mm-hmm. But with our uncleanness... When God cleanses us of our uncleanness, it is dealt with once. And for all. That it's completely done. That when Jesus died on the cross on Calvary, sin was done. It had, had its day. Uncleanness was dealt with. That every single time that uncleanness tries to attach to us and we get our hands dirty, that all we have to do is wash with the Word of God to cleanse our path, to keep our righteousness. But all the time the devil saying can't do that. Yeah. This once too often. Yeah. You ever think about how ridiculous that would be in terms of getting our hands dirty? Well, I washed them yesterday. Am I going to have to wash them again? Yes. <laughs> And keep going back. Because in the book of Leviticus, it talks a lot about physical cleanliness. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've always been amazed uh, at the fact that in Leviticus, uh, uh, that nobody knew about germs or anything like that. Uh, and yet thousands of years before scientists uh, was ever able to get a microscope and look at a germ uh, or know anything about that, God uh, knew exactly about them and He told them how to deal with them. That it used to be that it was uncommon practice to wash your hands between patients in a hospital. And when that that was proposed because of a high mortality rate amongst pregnant women, and a nurse proposed it and she had been reading the book of Leviticus, because those doctors would be down in the cadaver lab working with dead bodies, and then they would come up and do a pelvic exam on a woman and she would get an infection. And when that nurse proposed that they wash us with clean water, that the mortality rate dropped dramatically. Later on, she said, let's add some lye soap into the mix. And then the doctor said, that'll take too long. That's too bothersome. And you know, I don't think we're all that different sometimes with our own spiritual Uh cleanliness. That'll take too long. I don't really think God will hold that against me. Let me tell you something. Thus saith the Word of God, Sin is sin, is sin is sin. Amen. And the only end result from sin is death. That if a person wants to live, they have to have Christ. They have to be washed in the blood. They have to be washed continually with the Word of God. And scrub real good. And make sure that you deal with sin at the source. Because this man, what he come to Jesus needing was cleansing physically, but also spiritually. Right, yeah. The woman with the issue of blood, if you were to turn back into the book of Leviticus, and a person had an issue of blood similarly, they weren't allowed to be around anybody else. And right. guess what they were deemed? Unclean. Yeah. You know, she had a lot harder path to get to Jesus. Yes. She got stepped on. She crawled on her belly, through people's legs. I imagine that people about tripped over and kicked her in the ribs. You ornery thing, get off of me. Don't touch me. But when she got to Jesus and she reached out, now her faith, Jesus said, Your faith has made you whole. So when you sin, when you mess up, when you are defiled, made unclean, come to the Lord in faith believing. That He can make you clean. And that's exactly what that He'll do. Uh, and He'll not hold back. Uh, uh, he'll cleanse completely. Uh, he'll deal with sin perfectly. Uh, because we can't. Because if you looked in the chapter right before chapter 13 there, or no, I'm sorry, after chapter 15 in the book of Leviticus, it talks about the scapegoat. It said that Aaron would take his hands and put it over that goat. And confess the sins oh, yeah. of the nation over it. And then they would set it out. They would yeah. pack their sins off. And Jesus uh, was to be our scapegoat, uh, uh, the one that takes our blame, uh, the one that takes our sin uh, uh, and carries it off uh, to never be remembered. That's what he's done for us. Oh, yeah. Don't ever discount it. Even though you may have been on this way for many a year, you still sin. Oh. We all sin. But what we do about the sin, that's really what defines us. I've told many a young Christian, and I learned this the hard way, that really what will define you as a Christian is not whether or not you sin, but how ready you are to repent and deal with sin Uh at the source. I can tell you this, there are some things that we may never overcome in this world. Some temptations that we'll fall to and fall to and fall to again. But the problem comes when we stop getting back up. The problem comes when we quit bringing it before the Lord. But I can tell you this, if you're struggling with something, give it to God. He'll take care of it. I'm not saying that you can't be healed from it. I'm not saying that you can't deal with it. Uh, And and, uh, every one of us has something uh, uh, that gets us. But I can tell you this, if we turn it over to the Lord, He's faithful and just. To cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You can take that as a guarantee. If you want a promise out of the Word of God, I promise you uh, uh, that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can deal with your sin whether you've ever come to an altar or not, whether you've ever been baptized or not. Uh, he deals with your sin uh, uh, and He takes care of it where the, we can't. Oh yes. Because yeah, we could put on long sleeves to cover up the leprosy. But it's still there. Oh, yeah. It makes me think about Moses after he come off of Mount Sinai. And his face glowed so much oh, where he yeah. was in the glory of God that he had to wear a veil. That light hurt their eyes. But then later on, he started wearing the veil for a different reason. The light had went out. He kept wearing it so that people couldn't see that his face didn't shine like that anymore. Let me tell you something. Every aspect of your life should radiate the glory of God. Maybe not physically, but when they see you, do they see God in you? Do they see the testimony that you have? And don't ever be afraid to give your testimony. Don't ever hold back on telling somebody, this is what the Lord did for me. Because I can tell you that as a parent, I would have never been able to bring my children to this point Had God not blessed me to be able to, I would have never been able to provide for them. I would have never been able to protect them. There was a happening several years ago. I was at Wahama High School working. If you don't know where Wahama High School is, you're just like I was before I worked there. It's way up in Mason County there in the town of Mason. And it's a little rinky-dink high school. I'd never been there before in my life. I'd only ever heard of it. It was a a two-and-a-half-hour drive from our home. And I would pray every day, Lord, watch over my family. Take care of them. Lord, I won't be there if something happens. Well, there was one day that there was a fan in one end of our trailer there that it malfunctioned and started heating up and the smoke went rolling out of it. And it just so happened Elijah and Faith never went in that end. But for some reason, they went back there. And they seen it and immediately went and told their mommy and she went in there and dealt with it. I got a call from Sister Crystal after that. She told me and I worshiped the Lord right there sitting in the seat of an excavator. Because I knew he took care of my family and I didn't even know about it. He used two little ones uh, to go back there and to see the problem and to get help. uh, To be like the watchman on the wall. Uh, That's how God works in our lives. Uh, Don't we trust Him? Uh, uh, We trust Him with the big things. Do we trust Him with the little things? And everything in between. Because the truth is, you ain't in control anyway. There ain't a person here that if something gets wrong with your heart that you can will it to get Right? But I can tell you this, God can fix it. How many problems has God fixed in our lives that we don't even know about? When He does fix a problem, you know what you need to do? You need to tell the world. Tell them what that God has done for you. Because this man, the day came when he would run around and say, Look, I met a man named Jesus. I come to Him. I was a leper. He touched me. He cleansed me. And I'm going to follow Him because He took my uncleanness upon Himself. Everybody that Jesus healed, everybody that He cleansed, they followed Him. They followed Him for the same reason as when Jesus turned around to the disciples and after Jesus had told them, "Uh, look, unless you eat My flesh and drink My blood, you'll have no part with Me. And you remember what happened after that? Jesus preached and all these people were there. And when He said that kind of stuff, they left. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus had a crowd walk out on him. I've been fortunate enough to have never had that happen to me. Probably should have happened once or twice on me, but it didn't. But then he looks at the twelve, the ones that had seen it all. Peter and Andrew and James and John and all the rest that my memory fails me with. They had seen the miracles that He'd done. They all witnessed Him rebuke a storm at the sea. Peter, James, and John had seen Him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Seen these miraculous things take place and Jesus looked around at them and He said, will you also go away? Are you all going to quit on Me too? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? Because You... You have the words to eternal life, uh, and there's nobody beside you uh, that they recognize. And Jesus told him, He said, Peter, it's not flesh and blood that has revealed this to you, uh, but it is God's Holy Spirit. Uh, And I tell you tonight, church, uh, uh, that God's Holy Spirit will reveal these things to you. Uh, I might tell them to you, but only He can give you the truth. And if you have uncleanness in your life that needs dealt with, deal with it. You don't have to tell me. I don't believe the same way Catholics do. You have to confess your sins to me. In fact, I've had people try to do that to me, and I've said, "Slow your roll, there, buddy. I don't want to know that. I might regret shaking your hand." But you see, God—God already knew about it to begin with. One of the big ways to deal with the problem is acknowledge there's a problem. And a lot of times, what we do is we look around, we say, "It's not that big of a deal." I have no sin. And the Bible says, you're a liar when you do that. We've all sinned and come short of oh, the glory yeah, of God. God. And I tell you, before you start looking around at everybody else's sin, look at yours first. And as I've said many times and try to live by, if you really want to, really want to pursue perfection, look in the mirror first. Yeah. If you find it there, then look for it in other people. Otherwise, keep working on yourself. That doesn't mean to not help. If somebody needs help and they need the truth, you tell them. And I can tell you this, you don't need to condemn anybody. If you read in the Gospel according to John in the third chapter, you'll find they're already condemned. What they need is salvation. What they need is Jesus to take their uncleanness away and to deal with it. And I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm ready to hush, but I'm going to ask you tonight if you need the altar,